Welcome everyone. This is Catcher in the Rye um, speaking from a very sunny and quite cheerful south of the country at the moment at about four o'clock in the afternoon. A couple of hours after Everton were well beaten by Wolverhampton Wanderers in an away game in the Premier League. I'm going to hopefully just go through that game a little bit, shoot from the hip a bit in terms of where I think things went wrong, uh, where where we're currently at, how locked out the the performances post lockdown have been, um, and try and give some optimism if if there is any for the rest of the season. Um, it, today's results and performance were incredibly disappointing. I think three nil in the end flattered Everton. Wolves didn't really seem to get out of second gear, uh, so we were we were comprehensively beaten today. That there's no there's no getting around that. Um, it, it's hard to not want to go overboard. I've seen people already say that there's, there was no desire, there's no passion, there's no fight. I think all of those all of those points are true. What what strikes me more is there's a there's a, a loss of confidence at the moment. Uh, and in terms of the character within the squad, it's just really lacking. I mean, Seamus Coleman's come out and, and spoke, I thought spoke very well, but about how it's not good enough. But we've kind of heard this before a lot now, uh, not just this season, but in, in the years that have gone by. You know, and, and sooner or later, actions have to start counting, I suppose. So a really, you know, really disappointing and performance and results and, and exactly what, what Everton deserved. If I was going to break the game down, I mean, I I was I was quite happy we went with a back three, although I I was a, a bit miffed when I saw the starting eleven. Um, and I, it it should go without saying that that Carlo Ancelotti is going to be here for the medium to long term. Um, Everton supporters, barring him having his bottom of the league and cut adrift, Everton supporters should give this man time. You know, he he's inheriting a real mess, a mess that has been compounded by subsequent managers, um, and it's going to take an awfully long time, or quite quite a while, to get us back to where we want to be. You know, to get us back to even where Wolves are. You know, to get back to where Wolves are to some degree, it's going to take time. So he 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 does need to be given that time. So when I unpick what happened, it's certainly not to do so through the guise of being critical of, of Carlo um, or saying that, that you know his job should be in in any way under any pressure because it shouldn't be. The man should should he's uh, the the one person at the club I think who to me is under very very little scrutiny and should just be given time to. To begin to implement his ideas because what he's done overall has been very good. However, I was surprised with the team selection today. Um, I thought the back three was fine, but I was surprised that Luca Dean didn't play at wing back than Leighton Baines. I think if Baines plays, Baines hasn't been able to get up and down for really three, four, five years, going back to towards middle of the way through the Roberto Martinez period. But he reads the game well, and he's got a lovely left foot, um, and he, you know, he's actually become quite quite a solid uh, defender. So, I I thought it made sense for him just to play on the left 
he positions himself well. Um, I thought that made sense. And Luca Dean gets up and down much better. He's much more physically able to get up and down. Um, I know Jeremy, Jamie Carragher made a point in the commentary that, that Dean has got the build to play at centre-back, which is true. But, you know, a lot of the time, especially in that wide centre-back position, it's about defending against smaller, quicker players. So that, that was the first thing that surprised me. Um, the second one, obviously, was that Theo Walcott's playing at wing-back. I don't think Walcott's ever played at wing-back before. He certainly looked like a player who'd never played at wing-back before. Um, and you kind of had two players who, to me, kind of suit playing at wing-back, particularly Sidibe. And I didn't think Sidibe was even that bad the other night when he came on at wing-back. So he was... He's like a natural wing back. Um, Seamus Coleman, I, I think his days of really being a, a top wing back are, are gone. Um, but he he's certainly got you know more capabilities of doing it in a game like that as well than than you'd imagine. Walcott did. Um, Walcott has. Um, so I was, I was surprised that we kind of had an attacking player. Um, you know, play, playing at, at right wing back and not really provided Michael Keane with the, the security he needs. Um, you know, in then in the midfield, um, I thought Gordon was, was probably our best player in the first half, so he was fine. He seemed to be playing off the front too. Um, and then, you you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson, you know, seems to be playing as a six at the moment. I don't know if that's the plan or, or if that's all he can do. With, with Tom Davis in between them. So you kind of had a number 10 playing as a number six, a left wing back playing at centre back, a guy who can't run really playing at left wing back, probably one of the positions on the pitch that requires the most physical endeavour in terms of a wing back. And that's not Leighton Baines's game anymore. Um, you, you know, and the front two just couldn't, couldn't get into the game either. So it, it looked... It looked a really, um, how I can put this without being too critical, it looked an 11 that was very jumbled, um, that lacked synergy, um, that lacked a, a collegiality and of people playing in the right positions to me. Where, where there is a lot of sympathy for Ancelotti, is very few of the players he's leaving out, you're looking at and saying he, he should be nailed on into this team. You know, Sidibe had a decent half against against Southampton, but was very poor when he came on against Tottenham. Clearly doesn't have a long-term future at the club. I mean, no shame as Coleman can't get up and down and it's probably better suited to playing in, in the right centre-back spot. So there's all sorts of, of difficulties. You know, we Mason Holgate's injured. We don't have the fourth centre-back. Um you know, the centre-backs we've got, to me, don't seem to be able to defend in a three particularly well. So, you know, it, it was, you know, it was a, it's difficult for Ancelotti. There's a lot of injuries. Um, and we've seen against Southampton, when you put two strikers up against our two centre-backs, if those two centre-backs are Mina and Keane, the movement that they have, they won't be able to cope with. They're, they're just not able to cope with that movement well enough. So... That made that made some sense, um, and I think within the remit of what Ancelotti would have been trying to do, the first half for the most part would have been going to plan. You know, I don't think that Carlo Ancelotti feels this team, particularly with the, the injured players that that there now are, is capable of going 
anywhere away from home and engaging in a in a sort of even contest and trying to take a team on. I think he's trying to set his team up to be uh, rigid, well-disciplined, um, to have good shape without the ball, to not allow for spaces in behind, to try and minimise the spaces in front. And what that means is we, we sit really, really deep and because our, the majority of our midfield can't carry the ball well enough, there's then this massive gap to the front two. Um, so we, we, we basically sit in and play very, very defensively. And we're looking to try and get essentially a nil-nil from the game. Or if we can't get a nil-nil, maybe we, we get a goal and we win one-nil. We get a goal of a set piece or counter. and Or, or possibly we get a one-one doing that. And... You know, for, for the most part, that plan worked quite well. Um, where we were having some difficulties were down our right-hand side. Theo Walcott's not a right wing back, um, doesn't really know how to play the position. And Michael Keane was getting pulled further and further out, out to the right, and he's not um, he's not comfortable doing that either. But when Mina went off and Keane went into the middle and Coleman came and played on the right of him, even just for three, four, five minutes before the goal, we actually looked the most comfortable we'd looked all game um, defensively. But, you know, Coleman just looked much better able to deal with the runs, um, I believe, from Prudence, who played very well for Wolves today, um, who, who was running off Jimenez down the, the right-hand channel. He, he looked far more comfortable dealing with that than Keane did. And, and Keane looks much happier in the middle as well, where he's got two more nimble, athletic um defenders who, who've got acceleration either side of him he looks a lot happy with that so we, we were comfortable um, and you kind of you know you, you get towards uh, you get towards half time it's in stoppage time and one of their players goes past two two of our guys and, and then Luca Dean for some reason goes flying in and it's an absolute stonewall penalty. And I've, I've got no idea what Luca Dean's doing there. You know, you, you can't defend like that. You can't go flying into tackles in the box now because if you don't get the ball, you know, it's a, it's a penalty every time, um, which was duly tucked away by, by Raul Jimenez. And that changed the whole complexion of the game. You know, and I, I remember thinking just as we went in, we're going into a half time, I kind of thought, look, we, we've given a goal away. Um, at Tottenham when the drinks break was about to come, just through through not concentrating. Um, and I, I remember thinking, don't give another silly goal away at a silly time now, which in some some way seems to jinx it. And it, it's bitterly disappointing that we don't have the wherewithal. This team doesn't at times seem to have the wherewithal to know when big moments in games are, are being played out and the halftime whistle was was obviously um, very close to being due and most decent teams I'm not talking about Liverpool or Manchester City here, Burnley, Sheffield United, teams like that you know have, have got the wherewithal about them to know half time's nearly here just don't give away a silly foul just let's just get in at half time nil nil now we obviously don't know how the second half would go, but it's a really different conversation for both managers, um, particularly for Wolves, actually, if it's nil-nil, because you know they're, they're scratching their heads and saying, as I think Jamie Carragher alluded to on the commentary, saying, well, we've, we've kind of had a lot of the play, but we're not 
were not breaking through the Everton team particularly easily. Um, had a look at the expected goals from from Info Goal, and outside of the penalty, I think Wolves were at about zero point two goals for that half. So, in terms of what Ancelotti was trying to do, it was working brilliantly. Actually, that first half until Luca Dean makes this big mistake. You can listen to this and go, well, we don't like what Ancelotti was trying to do. You know, we want Everton to be a bit more than just trying to hang in for a nil-nil. And I, you know, I, I've got great sympathy to that viewpoint. But that's clearly what Ancelotti's trying to do at the moment. He doesn't think this team's good enough to go and take teams on. And you think you see in the second half why he he thinks that and he wants us to be tight and compact and stay in the game. And we've done that. And it's just a really silly mistake from Luca Dean, who, you know, overall was probably Everton's best player. So you don't want to slaughter the guy, but you kind of, it shows how far, how low the bar is at the moment that Dean can make a mistake that fundamentally alters the game. And he's still Everton's best player by a long way. And that, that kind of compounds the problems um, or, or, or illustrates the problems that we've, we've got. Um, the second half then, again, it's exactly the same thing as what we're saying at the start of the first half, which is, you know, we just don't concentrate. Um, young Jared Braithwaite, I think he's just turned 18, came on. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I actually think he did overall, he did quite quite well. He, he got an excellent tackle in on, on Traore. He looks physically really adept for the Premier League. I, I agree again with with... Um, Jamie Carragher's comment when he's left-footed and you look at the build of him and you can see there's a player in there. Um, he, he won some good headers, but he also showed the naivety of youth. You know, he gives away a bit of a silly foul and, you know, he's partly culpable for that goal. I think the more senior players around him, Richarlinson in front of him, Keane to the left of him, they let him down as well because, you know, that that they should be much closer to him in terms of, of clearing that ball away. I mean, it looks like he's borderline offside um, and someone's playing him on. They're not in line with where Breathwaite is. So if if the line was straight, the guy's offside. So at some level, we, we, we don't defend that free kick well enough. Um, but it's a minute into the second half and essentially the game goes at that point. You know, a minute before halftime, a minute after halftime, we give away two goals and we, we essentially give away the game. Um and we just become really, really ragged after that in the second half, um, you know. And and look constantly like Wolves can can catch us on the counter. They do with a with a long straight ball over Michael Keane's sh- shoulder um, for a third goal. Traore misses an open goal for a potentially fourth goal, and Wolves Wolves win a counter a canter in the end. Um, it's astonishing, really. The, towards the end, the, we just looked really ragged and devoid of any sort of um we just looked like a team who, who, how we did it towards the end of martinez really that that there was no structure there was no real intent or belief that we could do anything in that game um which is alarming um it's astonishing to me that sigurdsson and tom davis get through that game without being taken off I do wonder what what Benny Beningami's got to do to to get an opportunity. Um, astonished, Anthony Gordon came off. Really, I thought Gordon was probably our best player. Um, it won't be in Bernard do okay when they come on, but they they don't really do enough for me. 
Calvert Lewin and Richarlison were were pretty awful. Moyes Keane comes on, he he offers very little. You know, it's 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 a really poor performance overall. Um, and the worry, I suppose, is that's now three really poor performances. Today was no worse than Tottenham. The difference was Wolves are just a lot better than Tottenham are at the moment. Wolves are a lot more confident and, and go for the throat a lot more than Tottenham did. You know, if Tottenham had anything about them, they could have could have gone for the throat in the same way and probably got three or four goals against us. And you could argue, obviously, Southampton miss a penalty and and, and miss a couple of good opportunities. So they they could have probably got two or three goals as well against us. So that's that's the concern. Um, we probably need the end of the season to come and to regroup. I, I think we've got a lot of players who, who are just quite inconsistent, you know, who can have the occasional good game, um, but it's not, it's not consistent enough. You know, I think Bridget, from every member of that squad just thinks they're better. They'll seem to come across to me as they think they're better than what they are. You know, even Richarlinson today, you know, you, you wouldn't think you were watching a player who... Some people would put a valuation of him at 100 million. You, you know, I, I'm afraid I don't think players who who are worth 100 million pounds saunter through games like that, like he did. He just he he, he contributed very very little. Calvert Lewin's exhausted. He he looks he looks off the pace. I mean, it, there's very little positives to be drawn um, drawn from today. So. That, that's all all we can really add at the moment. Um, you know, you can see what Ancelotti's trying to do. He's trying to get them into a good shape, which I think we are. But we're nowhere, to me, we're nowhere near aggressive enough when we're in our shape. There's not that desire to, to make a challenge, make a block, make a header, clear the ball. You know, and I, I, remember, um, I remember Gary Neville said a few years ago now he said that teams English teams are very good at getting into shape but they weren't aggressive enough winning the ball back and that that's how we look at the moment we look you can see the work Ancelotti's done we look like we can get into a good shape but it doesn't look to me as if there's there's enough desire enough physicality in the team to to win enough balls back um to protect our goal well enough you know, and that's then before you get onto the offensive side of the game. I'm really just talking about defensively, you know, but, you know, and offensively is a whole new pattern because we, we've got very, very little going the other way. So a lot of problems really, I suppose, for Ancelotti to, to try and comprehend, to try and, try and deal with, try and, try and put into context and, and come up with solutions. Um, inevitably, people are going to rightly say we're going to need to buy in a certain number of players to be able to do it. I've got no idea as to whether we'll be able to do that or not. You know, I'll probably do another another podcast at some point outlining where I think we are financially. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not an awful lot more you can do with that group. He, he may well say, look, you know, Delve was injured today. Um, Mina goes off injured today. Holgate's missing today. I think Baines went off injured today. You know, he, Gabamin's obviously injured. Gomez was injured today. He he may say that there's there's four or five players there who would would make a big difference. And 
you know, maybe, maybe they would. Um, a Holgate certainly would. I think a Holgate and Mina together in a back three that would that would certainly make us more solid. Um, you know, then if you were to play a midfield three of maybe Gabamin, Gomez, um, and Delph, you know, I don't think Delph's pulled up any trees, but I don't think Gomez has either. But maybe if you put someone like Gabamin in next to them, that would make a difference. Um, in my opinion, I, I've not seen enough of Gabamin, but the Gomez that's come back post injury is inconsistent. The Delph I've seen this season, they're all at their very similar level to Sigurdsson and Davis. Sigurdsson, Davis, Delph, and, and increasingly Gomez are all at a very similar level. You know, they're all inconsistent. They all do certain facets of the game okay, but there's whole swathes of the game they don't do well enough. They're all slightly different in terms of what bits they do well and what bits they don't, but... I, I don't think the solution comes necessarily internally, but maybe maybe Ancelotti feels it, it would do. I mean, I think the tragedy, obviously, with Gabamin is he, he had a profile in terms of his height, in terms of his physicality, in terms of his aggression that would have potentially made a difference if, if we'd have seen that player um, across this season and probably would have helped all of the others that we're talking about because he, he'd have done something that none of them you know seem able to do at the moment. Um but, you know, all four of those players now, you know, are good enough to put in better better performances. Bernard is, is good enough to put in better performances. Um, Alex Awobi is good enough to put in more consistent performances. Uh, and they're going to be the questions that, that have got to be asked, I think. Um, we finish up with two home games that should be winnable. You'd expect us to win, and then an away game at Sheffield United. Um, but you know, we we should. I would say we should beat Bournemouth. Bournemouth have been even worse than we have. Aston Villa probably tricky, but should you could could not win. You know, could be a situation where we don't win that game. Um, but theoretically, we should get over the line in the two home games, and and you then go into Sheffield United and. Hoping for a bit of a shock result, really, um, and hoping for one or two of the teams above us to, you know, to slip up, and, and maybe we can get into the top half. But at the moment, it looks increasingly like to me we're looking over our shoulder. You know, we're hoping that the sides below us don't don't get results. You know, so we don't fall further down the league, which you know will will be will be damaging. So, they're my thoughts really for today. Um, I'll try and do this a bit more often if I can get into the swing of it. You know, maybe after after the Aston Villa game, you know, I can give give some feedback as well. Uh, appreciate any interaction people have with it, and, and appreciate people listening. Um, and yeah, I mean, today was was a a very vulgar game, a very vulgar picture that's being painted by the the Everton players. So you know, we have to hope that you know the improvements can come I, I don't suspect they will because they would have done after the Tottenham game but yeah anyway thank you for, for taking the time to listen um, and hopefully we'll have some more podcasts soon